Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Amen. We are blessed. We are blessed more than we could ever imagine. Blessed by the hand of the Lord. I'm thankful to feel his presence and to know that God has met us in this house. Thankful for his strength. I'm glad that God has kept us through another holiday season. Amen. I hope I'm not speaking to an overly stuffed crowd today. Amen. I want you to join me, if you will, in prayer. We're going to ask God to touch his word today. We're honored to be in the presence of the Lord. We're honored that you are here today. We welcome Brian with us this morning. God bless you, and we're happy to have my wife's cousin, Junior, and I've my cousin as well, I feel we've been family a long time and, and uh, glad that he's with us today in the house of the Lord. I want us to pray over his word and ask God to touch us and strengthen us. And uh, I believe our, our greatest treasure today is what I want to preach about. And uh, someone said it earlier uh, this morning, maybe before service, we were talking in my office and it is the anointing of the Lord. The Bible says the anointing of the Lord destroys the yoke. Amen. And so it is our greatest treasure. That's what I want to talk about today, and that is the anointing of the Lord. We can have all the trappings of church, but if we don't have the presence of God, His anointing, His authority in our lives, uh, then we will miss, woefully, we will miss the mark of what God is wanting to do in us and through us and in the lives of others. Praise the Lord. So I'm just going to ask you to pray. I know we've been praying, but let's ask the Lord to touch us together again one more time. Lord, I love you today, and I ask you right now, Lord, to let the anointing of your spirit, let it touch our mind and our heart here today. Let the power and the presence of your spirit, God that is already here, just let it reach even further into the crevices of our heart and mind. Help us today that we might lend ourselves completely, 100% to you. And let us lean in and receive from your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you and you can be seated in the fear of the Lord. I'm going to be talking from the book of 1 Samuel this morning for a little while and kind of skipping around through the first few chapters of that. But if you consider the first three chapters of the book of 1 Samuel, of course we... um, Understand Samuel is born by the intercessory prayer of his mother, believing God for against all odds a miraculous birth, and that indeed did happen. And she was blessed and true to her covenant with God. She said, If you'll give him, if you'll give me a man child, then I'll give him to you all the days of his life. When he was weaned, true to his word, Hannah took Samuel to the uh, temple and turned him over. Uh, to the tutelage of Eli the priest and um, Samuel became the priest and it was a it was a dismal time really 
when you're reading in the in the first few pages of First uh, Samuel, it seems that for at least the first three chapters that Samuel um, seems to dominate these pages, and then um, without without almost even notice, Samuel begins to fade further and further into the background. There is absolutely no doubt that the spiritual climate and the condition of Israel is spiraling out of control. They are on a runaway train downhill. It's the period of time that in the book of Judges refers to uh, horrifyingly. The Bible says that every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And any time that man just governs man, it's a terrible, terrible outcome. In 1 Samuel 4, we see the Ark of the Covenant, which in the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant was always symbolic of the presence of God, the anointing of God. Amen. That was that very presence of God, or the Ark, the symbol of the presence of God. Sadly, even not just the symbol, but the presence of God was taken from the people of Israel. Now, the Ark being taken from the children of Israel was the culmination of a very dark time. In Israel's history. And 1 Samuel 3 is described as a period of time when God was not speaking often or speaking freely to his children. The Bible says that the word of God was precious in those days or the word of God was scarce in those days and there was no open vision. Spiritual leaders were corrupt and God's people were not obeying his law. So why would God speak in a climate in an atmosphere like that. That's why I think it is very, very important that we create an atmosphere in the house of worship where God can speak to us. And so our praise and the praise and worship portion of our services are not a showcase of talent or ability, but it is the welcoming and the setting of the stage to let the Lord know you are welcome in this house. Amen. Not just to show up so we can feel better about ourselves, but we want you to speak and speak expressly to the church. Amen. And so uh, it, it lays the groundwork, really, whenever there is so much corruption and when there are those that have just disconnected themselves from what God would do in their life, that just kind of lays the groundwork for the Spirit of God to depart. In truth, uh, before the ark was, was actually removed, the glory had already departed from Israel. In 1 Samuel 4, Israel was once again pitted against that arch enemy, the Philistines. In this initial confrontation, the Philistines suffered a defeat of about 4,000 men, totally at a loss. They called for a meeting to try to find out what in the world is going wrong. They asked the right questions, but unfortunately, they drew the wrong conclusion. The remainder of this chapter reveals that they decided to use the ark to try to manipulate God into just working on their behalf. Just to try to use that Ark of the Covenant. The Bible said, let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us. And when it comes among us, it'll save us from the hand of our enemy. And so we're not going to bring the Ark here because we understand its reverence and, and the relevance of what it is to the, to the children of God. We just want it as a tool to just open the right doors. And so of, instead of searching their heart, Instead of confessing their sins, they said, I know what we'll do. We'll just do what Moses used to do. And we'll do what Joshua used to do. And, and can I tell you today, I'm glad for a rich history 
But I want you to understand that we can't afford to just give up and get up and just try to imitate what somebody before us has done. To just try to parrot what somebody else says. Well, this is how they used to sing or this is how they used to preach. We have got to have a living relationship with the power and the anointing and the authority of God ourselves. Either they didn't consider the symbol of God's presence is not going to be sufficient enough. In other words, we can't just come here and hang up a cross as we have on the wall and say, well, that ought to do it, and may that will be enough to help us overcome everything there is to do. We've got to have more than just a symbol of this thing. We've got to have this in our heart, not just on Sunday, not just when we're here together on any other given day or for any other occasion. We need the power and the presence of an almighty God to go to bed with us at night and to wake up, up with us in the morning. Amen. We can't think that God is going to bless us like the children here, uh, the Philistines here, that we can't just assume that God's going to bless us even if we're disobedient. Amen. Obedience is what is God is calling for in all of our lives. We can't just revere the tools of God or the instrumentations of God. We need the spirit and the presence of God. I want to say again that it's not enough to have the trappings of church when we come together. Have a building that looks like a church. Have songs that sound churchy and have programs that look religious. We need the anointing of God. That is the most powerful treasure that we will ever have. Amen. We need the spirit of the Lord. And so that's why with certainty we need to seek out God's presence long before 10 o'clock on Sunday. Amen. We need to be not just those that are ministering but we need to be seeking out God. I pray that every saint in this church is praying about, amen, the services that are in the pipeline. Lord, God, if your will is to bring us together again on Wednesday night, I want to pray now. I want to begin right now and ask you to touch us. Why? Because it is the anointing of the Lord that's going to break and destroy the yoke of sin in people's life. We can't just look at this and say, well, we've got all the things that look religious and that ought to be enough. Amen. The ark may have been with them, but here's something they couldn't understand. The ark was with them, but God was against them. And that's a frightening thing to think that God would be against us. Their strategy served only to strengthen their enemy and made their fight harder. Instead of disheartening the Philistines, amen, it caused them to fight even harder. And so we read, as you begin to read down through these scriptures, you read how that, that uh, people one after the other were, were losing their life because of how they were mishandling the Ark of the Covenant or the power of God. The Bible talks about... Uh, that Israel is defeated. They suffered a loss, a loss of 10,000 men. And then those that managed to escape fled. And when they made their way, uh, the, the Ark of the Covenant was taken, in verse number 11. And the Bible even talks about that Eli's sons, his own sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were killed. Never in the history of Israel up to this point had the ark of God ever fallen into enemy hands. They had suffered a lot of losses, and they had had a lot of heartache. Amen. They understood what it was like to feel desolate, but they had never lost the ark of the covenant. As I said earlier, unfortunately, the capture of the ark 
really only sort of symbolizes what was actually true and had been true for a long time and that was that the glory of God had departed. I know if you've been around very long you've heard me say this but in Judges 16 and 20 when I read that about Samson and the spirit of the Lord departing from Samson and he was unaware that God had departed from him that has always been an arresting passage of scripture because if it could happen to Samson then it can happen to Steve. If it can happen to Samson, then it can happen to you. That God could depart from my life and me not even know it. And so here it is. It's the glory of God has departed from the camp of Israel. And so when the news of the battle and the defeat of the Israel and the loss of the ark and the death of his sons, when all of that was reported to Eli, the Bible says that he fell back from the chair that he was sitting in broke his neck and he died sadly the story doesn't end there according to 1 Samuel 5 the Philistines captured the ark but they soon learned like the, like the word of God that the ark is not anything to play with it's not anything to trivialize amen the word of God the spirit of God amen it was designed and, by, and desired to be that that strengthened and empowered God's people and when the Philistines got what they wanted they didn't want what they got Amen. They got something in their hands not understanding the magnitude of what it was. The Bible says in chapter 5 that, that we're introduced to the ark or at least the fate of the ark in the Philistines' hand. And this is where they talked about taking the ark of the covenant and putting it by their god Dagon and how that false god fell and bowed at the, at the, in the presence, if you please, of the ark of the covenant or in the presence of God. Amen. But but again and again they tried to prop it up and set it up without realizing that God was proving to them trying to say one more time amen that I am the Lord God but they refused to repent there were even more and more difficult lessons it seems as though after a while someone would open their eyes and realize that God is trying to drive a point home but many times we've been in that very same place God is trying to deal open our eyes God is trying to reveal himself and yet we march on in our own resistance to his will. Verse 6 reveals that the Lord not only humiliated the God of the Philistines but he also judged the people who worship this false God. The Bible talks about in the about verses 13 or so in the in chapter 6 how that the people of Bethshemesh were reaping the harvest and they saw uh, the ark coming and they said well it's we're glad to have it amen the ark came into the field of Joshua and a, and a large stone was there and they split the wood for the cart and they offered the cows for a burnt offering and then the Bible says that the Levites took down the ark of the Lord and the chest that was within it and the articles of gold and put them in a large stone and the bent of Bethshemesh offered burnt offerings and sacrifices to the Lord. But then when we drop down to about verse number 19, the Bible says of the Lord that he struck those men because they looked into the ark of the Lord. He struck 50,070 men of the people and the people lamented because the Lord had struck 
with such a great slaughter. I don't know about you, but 50,000 plus men dying in a moment of time. It would seem like that would be an arresting agent of all time. Amen. The Ark of the Covenant was not to be treated disrespectfully or just to be looked on by common man. Amen. The people didn't know this even though it was their life they paid in error for their judgment. Some people became curious. The Bible says they looked into the Ark and were slain. There's a maybe a difference of opinion about as to whether these individuals looked into the ark or just looked upon the ark. But either way, what they did was forbidden and a number of the Israelites lost their life. If the pagan Philistines were judged for the way that they unknowingly treated the ark, then how much more does God hold us accountable today that know? Amen. I pray, oh Lord, help me to never take for granted the moving of your spirit and the power of your presence. Amen. I'm telling you today, I appreciate what I have felt in this house. I appreciate the spirit of worship and the presence of God. Amen. It began in prayer in my office this morning where I felt the brush of those angels wings I'm thankful for that Amen. I don't ever want to take that for granted I don't ever want to become cavalier and just feel like we've got this God I don't ever want to have strength in my own self or for us as a church to have strength in our own ability but I say God help us to realize that I need you I need you more and more every day the writer of Hebrews said that it is a fearful thing thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Amen. I want to tell you that if I could add to that, I would say it's even more fearful to fall into the hands of an angry God. God was angry at the Philistines for the how they were treating his spirit and his presence. And so I'll tell you today, God help us and God forgive us. God re-energize us and God charge us this morning if we ever take for granted the greatest power and the greatest treasure that belongs to the apostolic church and that is the anointing of the Lord. I say God rain down your power and rain down your anointing and your authority in our heart and in our lives and don't ever Lord let us find ourselves in your presence and just have our arms folded and our minds on something else our lives disconnected from what the spirit of the Lord would try to do and speak in our heart today. Amen. We need the Lord we need we need the Lord we need his anointing if you've ever been called on to pray for someone and you felt that your gaze was on empty you understood in a moment's notice my 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 I should have filled up a long time ago Amen. If you've ever been called on to pray a prayer, if you've ever been called on, that's why we can't afford to run around. That's why we can't afford to just try to live our lives on empty or half tanks. We can't just go through life and just think that this is good enough. I want to tell you today that it's not just good enough to have a good church service. We need the anointing of the Lord to destroy things among us, the yokes that bind us and keep us. Amen. There are some abiding principles, I think, of the Word of God. While God does not live in our church 
per se. Amen. He doesn't live in this building or in its furnishings. Amen. We do want to honor and show respect for the things that we have dedicated unto the Lord. Amen. We don't really have an ark, of course, today, an ark of the covenant to present the presence or represent the presence of God. Amen. We have something far greater than that, I think, and that is that we have the Spirit of God. Amen. That resides in our heart, the power of the Holy Ghost. Therefore, I would not ever want to do anything to disgrace this temple. I would not ever want to do anything to disgrace the temple that God, that's you and I. Amen. I wouldn't want to do anything. I wouldn't want to take this temple anywhere it doesn't belong. I wouldn't want to expose this temple to anything that it doesn't need to be exposed to because the Spirit of God abides in my heart. Amen. Exodus, the Bible, in the book of Exodus, the Bible talks about in chapter 30. It describes in great detail, and I've preached about this just by itself many times through the years, but in Exodus 30, Moses, the Lord gives Moses some great detailed instructions about the ingredients for the holy anointing oil that God is going to ultimately have Moses use to anoint vessels, just common vessels that you may find in other uh, other uses for them. Many of them were very utilitarian in nature and could have been used for many, many things. In Exodus verses 23 to 29 describes the ingredients of that holy anointing oil. He talks about the myrrh and how much, 500 shekels. The sweet cinnamon, 250 shekels. The 250 shekels of calamus and the 500 shekels of causia. And then he talks about the oil olive. That's how it's referred to it. We call it oil, olive oil. But the oil olive and the measurement of that was a hen, H-I-N, which is about five quarts. And so if we just set these principal ingredients down, we just have five different containers. That's what you would have. You just have five different containers of five different ingredients, five different things. But the Bible says that the Lord told Moses to mix them together after the art of the apothecary or after the art of the pharmacist. Amen. To do this just right. Amen. So separate, they were what they were. It was just causia, cinnamon, calamus. Amen. It was just the oil. It was just was what it was. But when they were mixed according to the plan of God together, they became holy anointing oil. Amen. I am just underlining a principle that I've talked about many, many times that separate in and of ourselves, we are just what we are. But if the anointing of the Lord can touch our lives, then we can be mightily used of Him. Mightily used of Him. Amen. That holy anointing oil was used to take all of the vessels that were going to be used in the service of the Lord and anoint them for that exact service. And can I tell you today that God is still calling men and women and men and women are still answering that call. In and of themselves, what's so, what's so great about them? Not that much. We're just human. We're just flesh, frail flesh. But when the anointing of the Lord, when the anointing of the Lord touches a life and blesses a life and blesses a family, blesses a ministry. God alone can only measure the breadth. Amen. God alone can only measure the depth of how the or what the impact of that touch is going to be. We have been blessed in our lifetimes. We have been touched by those that have been mightily used of the Lord. 
never sometimes assuming that we ourselves could be one of those used of God. Amen. That oil used to anoint common vessels, but now they're no longer common. They're dedicated unto the Lord. You might find a vessel similar to that a few doors down in someone's kitchen, someone's home. Another vessel that may be using something very similar that somebody may be using in a common way just down the road. But you see, after the anointing of God was placed upon that vessel, it was no longer the same. Can I tell you today that when the anointing of God filled your life, you are no longer the same. God wants to use you for His glory. God wants to use you for His authority. And God wants to use us individually and collectively to do great things. I'm going to ask you to stand. Amen. <coughs> Eli, Eli, the old priest whose eyes had grown dim and spirit had grown cold. It was as though the Bible talks about the lamp of God going out in the temple of the Lord. Brother, maybe just Brother Brian, if you will, come to the piano. He, he was talking about the anointing of the, the lamp of God going out in the house of God. What a, what, a, what a sad commentary that the lamp would go out in the house of God. And in this weakened, frail, spiritually anemic status, he still understood the magnitude of losing the ark. The Bible says when those men came back from the battle and said, we've lost 10,000 men, that was one thing. And then he said, in addition to those men, your own two sons have been lost. That was another thing. But when that reporter from the forefront of that battleground said, and the Ark of the Covenant has been taken, that is when Eli fell dead. Amen. And I don't mean to sound crass this morning and, and indifferent toward his own sons or toward the, his friends and f- sons of his friends who had died in those battles. But Eli understood something in the worst spiritual condition of his life that when we've lost the anointing and the power of God, we've lost the most valuable thing. We've lost the most valuable thing. So I say, God, help us today to never just disregard your spirit moving in a life. Help me to never disregard what you're trying to do in our midst or what you're trying to do in me as an individual or us as a family or in us corporately as a body. Help me to never discount that because I can tell you that if you've got God, you've got enough. Amen. You can look around and count the losses, and we all can do that. We can put a check mark by a lot of things that we may have lost in life. But if you have God, you have enough. But if you could go down your list and you've got it all, but there's not a check mark in that slot, and you don't have God, what would it gain a man? What would it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lost his own soul? Eli was in bad shape, but he realized if we don't have God, 
we can't press on. Amen. Today, I want us to be very, very thankful in this season of thanksgiving that we have the presence of God. Amen. Not just the presence of God. I'm thankful for the presence of God in our church. But we need the presence of God not to just stay here till we get back Wednesday, but we need the presence of God to get in the automobile with us and go home with us and abide in our home and abide in our marriage and our family and in our children's life because we cannot make it without the anointing of God. You can't make it without the anointing of God. Years ago, I was a really young man, uh, uh, just a young boy, uh, I, I remember my middle brother coming home one afternoon and he was telling my mom and dad about a, a car he found. And uh, he, it was in excellent shape and it was this many hundred dollars. And, and, uh, and so he negotiated with mom and dad. I don't really know the details of all that, but I was just kind of a little boy taking in the story. They finally agreed, and I don't know if he had the money or they loaned him the money. I'm not sure how that worked out. But in a minute, he looked at my older brother, and he said, well, you, you want to go with me to get the car? Well, they didn't think anything about that. And uh, somebody needed to drive him there to get the car. And I can remember, I was, I was home. I can remember being in the front yard when my brother, my oldest brother, came pulling, my younger brother uh, came pulling that car into the yard with a chain. My dad came outside. <laughs> My dad came outside. He's like, well, why are you pulling the car? He said, well, it don't have an engine. I blacked out somewhere shortly after that. You suppress those bad memories, they say, you know. I can just only imagine the kaleidoscope that my dad's brain became at that moment. It's missing the most. It was a nice-looking car. I remember that. But it was missing the most vital thing. And Billy left out one small detail that really jaded the whole process for my dad. And so some of you probably can figure that out for yourself. My point today is it wouldn't matter how many times somebody complimented the landscape or complimented the decor, complimented the singing, complicated, complimented the music, complimented the, the teaching or the preaching. If the most vital thing, if we raise the hood and there's nothing there, if we have nothing to propel us forward, if we have nothing to take us into our future, amen, I'm going to tell you that we can't make it without the most vital thing. And the most vital thing is that anointing of the Lord. God, help me to check the oil of my spirit, man. And may your power and presence touch us today. Would you just make an altar where you're standing there today? God, in this moment of thanksgiving, in this season of being grateful, Lord, I want you to know that one of the things I'm ever... This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. 
We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.